Well, we're talking today about how to enjoy your work. And um, this is a message that, uh, you know, is right from the Bible, how to enjoy your work even in the midst of uh, some difficult circumstances. Um, I was uh, looking at a CNBC article that uh, talked, it was just a recent article that was done, it talked about the 10 worst jobs in America, the 10 worst jobs in America. And it basically evaluated these jobs based on three criteria, the amount of pay that you got, the working conditions that you worked in, and uh, the number of deaths per 100,000 employees to evaluate this list. Um, Does anybody have any guesses uh, of what might have been on that top 10 list of worst jobs in America? Just shout some out if you've got an idea. Postal service did not make the list. Good guess. Oil rigs. Yes, oil rig uh, workers. They're called roustabouts. They work on the oil rigs. Number nine on the survey. Good. What's that? Customer service, that should have been on the list. Airline, it wasn't. It wasn't. Good. Farmer? Dairy farmer was number two. Coal miner did not make the list. Others? Sanitation workers, number seven. Garbage man, yes. Logger, number one. Jeff, you get the prize, brother. Lumberjack, number one. You never know which way those trees are going to fall. Also on the list was a roofer, taxi driver, Fisherman, EMT, welder, and iron worker. So um, I was a little disappointed, though, to see that on that top 10 list of worst jobs in America, that plumber didn't make the list. Any plumbers out there this morning? Any plumbers, former plumbers? Okay. I got to tell you guys a story. Yeah, they're all dead. Okay. Um, so this past Wednesday night, uh, I went down into my basement to grab something. And uh, as I went down the stairs, I smelled this smell. It smelled like an animal had died in my basement. And uh, I was like, oh, man, this is not good. So I ran down into the furnace room area where the smell was coming from. And as I ran in there, I looked down at the floor drain next to my furnace. And uh, it had overflowed with some, like, kind of brownish, blackish stuff. Uh, it, was, it was quite disgusting. My floor drain had backed up. And so I'm kind of assessing the situation, trying to figure out what's going on. And um, so I go upstairs. I'm doing some work online. I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly what's happening. I'm one of those guys I have no skills at all. And, and, and like, I'm not handy. I have no home repair skills, but I think I do. And each time I just think, yeah, baby, I just think I do. You know, I'm the man of the house. Come on. I'm going to knock this thing out. So I'm reading about it. And I'm like, okay, it looks like my drain's clogged. Uh, looks like you can either pay a plumber like, you know, 300 bucks to come out and, and snake the drain, or you can rent one for 50 bucks. Pretty simple. That's easy for me. I mean, do the math. So my wife, of course, Becky, she's like, just call the plumber. Derek, just call the plumber. We've got a lot going on this week. Just call the plumber. It's all good. It's going to be fine. We'll call the plumber in the morning. You know, she's like, I'll even call the plumber. I said, no, no, that's okay, baby. I got this. I got this. So I call the tool rental shop in the morning. And I go rent one of these 75-foot uh, easy rotor, like rooter snakes things. These mechanical, they're like twisting, and it's on this big motor. And then and the snake just coils and just shoots down your drain, unclogs the clog. Bada boom, bada bing, we're done. So I'm like, this is beautiful, man. I'm going to do this. And here's the best part. Not only am I going to save a couple hundred bucks, 
okay? But the sermon this Sunday is all about how to enjoy your work, you know? And like, this is an opportunity that I have. This is good sermon material. I can show that no matter what the working conditions are like, you know, that, that you can enjoy it. You can have a good attitude about it. And so I'm just all excited, you know? I just saved myself some money. I got my thing. I dragged this thing down, the, down in, the, uh, in, the, in the basement, and I start to put it down the floor drain. I turn it on. And I just have to share with you that um, it's not quite as easy as uh, you read about online. Uh, and the guy at the shop just told me, oh, it's, it's real simple. It's not quite that easy. Um, one, of the, you know, one of the things that, well, actually, I'll say that for a second. So um, I'm, I'm feeding the thing you know, down the drain, and, and, and it's, it's, it's twisting on me the whole time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sending it down, sending it down. And it's pretty tough, so I'm kind of wrestling with this thing. And uh, one thing that the, that the guy told me, he said, you just want to be careful that you, know, you don't let too much of the snake out from where it feeds out. Because if you let too much out, what it'll start to do is because it's a twisting, coiling thing on a motor, it'll, if you let too much line out, the line will become, it'll like twist upon itself and it'll, it'll like whip around on you and it can really hurt you. So, but I'm just, I'm wrestling with this thing and, and I'm trying to get in there and it's getting stuck. And so the next thing I know, I've let a little too much coil out, okay? And the thing, just like he promised me, it, it all of a sudden it like kind of twists and it coils up on itself and it whips real quick, okay? When it did that, it took some of that sewage, and it just hit me right, like, like, arm, face, lower lip, like, oh. You know everyone has those low points in the story? So I, you know, I wipe my face, you know, and now, you know, the whole idea of that this was going to be cool sermon material and I was going to do this with a good attitude, now it's, it's gone. I don't even remember that. Like, that's, that's history. Now I'm mad, okay? Now I'm ticked off. And so now I'm really going after this thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to show you. So now I'm just feeding this thing in and I'm driving it. And I get about 70 feet worth of this cool. I'm sweating. I'm down over this thing and I'm just working it. And I'm starting to get the hang of this thing. Well, at about 70 feet, I got five feet left to go. I feel like it's stuck on something, and I'm just keep, and I'm pushing it, and I'm trying to drive this thing in, and I just, it can't, and I'm, and I'm sweating, and I'm hot, and it stinks, and I got, you know, stuff on me, I can't say in church, and, you know, and so I'm just driving this thing in, and, and I'm just like, oh, and I'm just angry, okay, it just, reality is, I'm just, I was just, I was just upset, so I'm just, come on, Ugh. and all of a sudden, it was just like, it just eased up, like all the tension that I could feel, it was just like, it gave. And I was like, oh, I think I just cleared the clog. This is amazing. So I stop, I turn off the machine, and I go to pull the, the snake back, and only like three feet comes back in my hand. I broke the snake up in my drain. I broke it off. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> seriously. Like 70 feet of snake down in my drain. And, and so, um, I called a plumber. <laughs> called a plumber. Yep. That's right. My wife was happy at that point. Um, but I called a plumber. He couldn't get it out. He couldn't get the... It's still in my drain, like right now, as we speak. At, at my house, there's 70 foot of a broken off snake inside my, my drain. My drain's still not working. It's a really good time at my house. Um, if you'd like to have us over for lunch today, just uh, let me know after the service. But I share that with you. I kind of got inspired last week. Um, for those of you who are here, it's an amazing service last week. Uh, You've got to go check it out online if you missed it. But Brian Head Welsh, uh, former, you know, from, formerly from Corn, who 
you know, was part of the Spring Jam Fest concert we did. He shared his amazing testimony. And one of the things that was like kind of a breakthrough for him was, was realizing that pastors weren't these like holier-than-thou people. You know, that they were like just real people who screwed up and had all sorts of junk in their life. So it kind of inspired me. I'm like, well, shoot, man, if I could be an inspiration by just sharing the junk in my life, well, man, that, that's easy. So, um, you know, and I feel like it's annoying when the pastors get up and they talk about how, oh, they just knocked it out of the park. They're just so great. So I just want to let you know I totally failed this, this past week. I, not only did I lose the snake in my drain, not listen to my wife's advice, but um, I had a terrible attitude while doing it. I was very angry. So... Um, <laughs> As we talk about this message this morning, how to enjoy your work, um, there may be times where you'll be like, wow, that was, yeah, that's good. That's really good biblical stuff. Like, I'm going to try that. And there may be times this week where you fail. And I just want you to know when you fail, just think about me and feel a little bit better, okay? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so there's a verse in Colossians chapter 3 that is profound. And um, it's really at the heart of this message, and I think it holds the key to enjoying your work, uh, even if you're in a job or a situation that is really difficult for you. And so I want to share it with you. It's from Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now, you might have seen this verse before. You might have heard this verse quoted at some point point in time. And it's a powerful verse, just standing there by itself, isolated like that. But what I want us to do this morning is what I've realized is that looking that in the greater context of Colossians chapter 3, it is so powerful. It is incredibly powerful when you kind of hear more of the background and have a greater understanding of why this verse was written. So let me try and share a little bit of context, if you will. We're going to start at looking at the two verses the one immediately before and after it, and then we're also going to look at a few verses from that entire chapter, Colossians chapter 3. So here's verses 22 through 24, and it says this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. Can you pray with me? God, um, we're all here this morning in different places, different uh, situations with our lives. God, um, we are here to try and glean not human understanding necessarily, but, um, but your wisdom, your insight, your guidance. Uh, Lord, show us how to enjoy our work, how to gain a proper perspective. Open our hearts and our minds to, uh, to receive what you have this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, well, when you look at it in context, this totally changes maybe an initial understanding of verse 23, because what you see now in 22 through 24 is this looks to be written. This is the apostle Paul writing to the church in Collis. And at this particular point in his letter, right, he is turning his focus on slaves of the Roman empire, Christian slaves in Collis. And he says, obey your earthly masters in everything. Now, 2000 years ago, Slavery 
was commonplace in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was dominant and it was expansive. And so what would happen is the Roman army would come and they would, they would conquer a people group and then all those people would just become slaves. They'd become workers for the empire. And so what this would mean is that all of the major cities of the Roman Empire, all those major cities, if you were to just if you were able to walk around 2,000 years ago, walk through the streets, over half the people that you would be able to see walking around the streets of those cities would be slaves. And, you know, it was kind of the, the, the blue-collar, real menial workers, the ones that were, you know, the, uh, the, con- the construction-type workers. Uh, and, but it was also, uh, slaves were a lot of people, like teachers and doctors and nurses, a lot of professional people were also enslaved. That was just how it worked 2,000 years ago as part of the Roman Empire. And these slaves, were, were they, they were the property of those who owned them, and they existed solely to serve their owners. And so we're reading this thing, and it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Now, I don't know how that sits with you, but that's pretty controversial, this, this verse, especially when you just look at it right now in isolation, because there's a lot of people, and the first question that comes to mind is, why in the world does it say that? I mean, it's saying, obey your earthly masters. It's almost like submitting to slavery. It's, isn't that saying that slavery's okay? I mean, have you ever heard, you know, that through history, that this verse was actually used at times to say, yeah, God is actually okay with slavery. God upholds slavery as a good institution. See, it's right there. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters. Okay, what's the deal with this verse? Why doesn't the Paul writing, inspired by God, why doesn't Paul write, slaves, reject this, you know, run away from this. This is oppressive. This is injustice. Why doesn't God say that to us in verse 22? What's the deal? Well, it's extremely important to understand this verse in the context of the greater picture. If you look just a few verses earlier in Colossians 3.11, okay, just a handful of verses earlier, look at what it says. It says, in this new life, this means life as a believer in Jesus Christ, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. What this verse is saying is God is making a radical declaration of equality. And it's littered throughout the New Testament. Galatians 3.28 says it beautifully. Same sentiment, just different words. There are neither Jews nor Greeks, neither slaves nor free people, neither males nor females. You are all the same in Christ Jesus. So, you know, okay, so, so Christianity was this radical message of equality. No matter who you were, where you came from, all human beings are created by God in God's image, Okay. But then still the question comes back to, but then why, why doesn't right here, why is Paul saying, slaves, submit to your earthly masters? I mean, why not just reject it? Why not condemn it? What's going on here? Well, here's the deal. The gospel message of Jesus Christ was not and is not about pointing out what is wrong with the Roman Empire. It's not about pointing out all the things that are wrong with with governments, institutions, systems, worldly powers, and critiquing those things. 
That's not what the gospel was about at all. The gospel is about something that's much deeper and more powerful than that. I want to read from you some words that Jesus Christ spoke on his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 38 through 41. He says this, You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. You know what that would mean? That person is naked at that point. Okay, this is how radical Jesus is is making this declaration. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. What is Jesus saying here? I mean, is Jesus condoning evil is jesus saying hey guys guess what like let's just let evil run its course if someone wants to do something evil just it'll be great you just that's cool that's okay is is jesus saying that we shouldn't want justice what is jesus getting at here here's the deal jesus is you've got to get this okay jesus is speaking to a group of people who were under roman rule okay the jewish people two thousand years ago were under the rule of the Roman Empire. And the Romans kind of let them do a little autonomous stuff. They could be free to worship and do some different things. But basically, whatever the Romans wanted to do, they could do. They taxed them. They made all these rules. They had all these policies. That reference there that Jesus is talking about in verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles, here was the deal. Part of the way that, that the Roman Empire, the Roman regime was set up was that uh, a Roman soldier would have all this heavy equipment and you know whatever that, that the soldier would be carrying. At any point, if that soldier got tired, one of the things that they, they, they had the right to do as ruling over the Jewish people was they could say to a Jewish person, here, I want you to carry my pack for a mile. And so whatever, whatever you were doing as a Jewish person, you'd be totally inconvenienced. You'd have to go and be humiliated and carry the, the, all the equipment of your, the, the oppressing people group for a mile. And Jesus is saying, if they ask you to do that, go with them two miles, not just one. What, how do we make sense of that? What is Jesus Christ saying there? Well, here's the deal. The Jewish people, the expected Messiah that they were hoping for, you know what they were hoping this Messiah would do? They were hoping that this Messiah would deliver them in an earthly sense. They were hoping that this Messiah would rise up and would be this great conquering king and would lead the Jewish people to once again overthrow this, the, the, the Roman power, defeat you know, this Roman rule, and that they would be free. That was what they were hoping for, that, that Israel would be restored to its former glory. So they wanted Jesus to defeat the Romans. And you know what Jesus came to defeat? He came to defeat death and sin. Something much deeper, much greater than, than these kind of these worldly, earthly things. You see, the people that Jesus was talking to, they were interested in Jesus reforming structures and systems. And Jesus came to reform our hearts and our minds. Totally different thing. And so what you've got to grasp here from, from Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5 and from the words that are in, God's inspired through the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3 is that God is giving us a way that even when we're not free, okay, even when we're not free, that we can be free. Even when we have no power, 
under the system that we're working within, we could still have power. Am I making sense here? Let me read this again. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that you're serving. That's where the freedom is. That's where the power is. That's where the distinction is. Even though they seem powerless, these slaves were able to say, we still choose who we serve. I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for God. How about you here this morning? You might be in a situation in your life where you, you're just in a terrible work environment. Or maybe you're working for someone and they're incredibly difficult to work for. Or maybe you're here and you know, you're a full-time stay-at-home parent and man, your kids are driving you up the wall. I mean, you are just like, man, I am not, I am not serving for you, you little snot-nosed little, you know. I mean, I, I, believe me, I'm not doing this for you. You know what I'm saying? If, if you're here this morning and that's where you are right now, what I want to encourage you to think about is that if these words could be written and could give inspiration to slaves, people who truly had no earthly rights and could empower them to find power and voice and purpose that they didn't have, you can find that same thing. Whatever you're dealing with right now, in your workplace, in your home life, whatever, because ultimately we're not doing it for that other person. We've talked about this before. We're going back to our relationship series. You know, ultimately there's times where you're not, you're not serving for your spouse's sake or your friend's sake or for your mom's sake or for your dad's sake, right? You're serving for God's sake. That's why you do it. It's a greater purpose that you have. And if this truth can empower someone who's literally a slave, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. I can't even imagine. We, somehow we can... We can we can take some of this for ourselves and apply this to our own lives and our own situation. So I've just got one fill-in for you this morning. Just one. The way to enjoy your work is to focus on who you work for. The way to enjoy your work is to focus on who you work for. See, and what you've got to understand in Colossians chapter 3, God is driving this point all the way through the chapter from the first verse all the way to the end. God is driving this point that ultimately what you do, you do for God. What you do, you do for God. Not for men, but for God. Look at how it starts out. Verses 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Anybody heard of a guy named Brother Lawrence? Brother Lawrence? He doesn't go to grace, in case you're wondering. Brother Lawrence was a, a 17th century French monk. And um, the reason that he's known today uh, isn't really for what he did in his work life. Um, Brother Lawrence, he was a cook. And um, so his kind of daily life routine would be preparing stuff in the kitchen, cooking, and then washing dishes. The later part of his life, he actually repaired old sandals. Pretty glamorous stuff, you know? Um, 
he did very menial, ordinary, common tasks. But why we know his name today is because he believed that everything that he did, he did for God. Everything he did, he did for God. And people would come from far and wide to come and, and just to hang out with Brother Lawrence and to kind of hear his insight and his perspective because he just believed that in everything he did was, was worshiping God. It was glorifying God in just cutting vegetables and just washing dirty dishes. I mean, I doubt he ever had to snake a, a drain that was overflowing with sewage. Uh, I don't know how he would have done with that. But um, this was, yeah, he probably would have done awesome. You're right. Um, but Brother Lawrence lived out a very common, ordinary life with incredible joy and peace, and people gravitated toward him. He loved his work because he worked for God. And I've got a quote from him. It, it's, it's beautiful. Um, here's what, this is attributed to him. It's what he says. He says, the most excellent method of going to God, the most excellent method of going to God is that of doing our common business without any view of pleasing people, but purely for the love of God. Now that is profound, profound stuff. As we keep going through Colossians chapter 3, we just continue to see this theme time and time again. I encourage you just to read the whole thing. It's a great, great chapter of the Bible. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the way that Brother Lawrence lived his life. And that's an inspiration for all of us. Uh, if you guys have been coming for the last couple of months, uh, you might have heard me I had this confessional time where I talked about how I really don't like the garbage and I, I, taking out the garbage is just not something that I do well with and I even block it out of my mind entirely because I just, I just don't enjoy that process of the garbage and I, I, I don't always have a good attitude doing it. Um, so it blows my mind because there's, um, you know, on Wednesday mornings then when the garbage truck kind of blows by into my neighborhood, um, what blows my mind is there's this guy. Uh, I don't know his name, but he's one of the, one of the, the guys sanitation worker. I don't know what you call what you call the professional, but there's a garbage guy in my neighborhood, and it's amazing, okay? Well, first of all, we're kind of, we kind of get his attention a little bit because my son, Timmy, is four, and he's obsessed with garbage trucks. So uh, he hears it, and like he, he's up early, like way early in the morning, and he's running, you know, pajamas or whatever he's got on, and he runs, and, and he wants to go out the door and run through the yard and like, and run and track the garbage truck as far as it can go, you know? So they're all, you know, they'll wave at him and stuff, and, uh, and the kids are cute, and, you know, garbage guys do that. You know, pretty much even the grumpy garbage guys, you know, will, will wave at my kids. But this one guy, he's amazing. He's always smiling and upbeat. And that's amazing to me. This guy's dealing with garbage all day long. Not even, I mean, it's one thing for me to take my own garbage out, you know. But this guy's taking out other people's garbage. And so he'll wave, wave the kids, but he's always got this great attitude, you guys. And uh, the thing that strikes me is that there are times where, you know, I'll be like loaded into my car and I'm fumbling around and putting stuff in and I don't even notice. And this guy will actually go out of his way to bless me. He'd be like, hey man, he'll get my attention. You know, I mean, he, I, I, was, I didn't even notice him. He, he would be like, hey man, have a great day, man. I hope you have a great day. That's amazing to me. That is, that's incredible. If I'm knee deep in garbage, I'm not, I'm not doing that. 
You know what I'm saying? It's not a great day. I'm, t- I'm holding your garbage. He's holding my garbage, and then he's telling me to have a great day. That is amazing. This guy, this guy, he has discovered a purpose in his work. He has discovered joy in the midst of garbage. It's, it blows my mind. This guy has a ministry in my neighborhood, you guys. I mean, he gets people, you know, I don't know how much more road rage there would be coming out of my neighborhood if that guy didn't come through. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. He gets us started on the right foot. It, it's, it's really, really profound. And so what I want to encourage you to think about this morning is no matter what your situation, no matter how difficult your boss or your kids or whatever your work situation looks like, God has a purpose in it. It doesn't mean that you need to stay in that job for the rest of your life or that you're supposed to be totally committed to it any more than what this verse is, is not upholding slavery as this great thing. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was an abomination. It was this horrific injustice okay, that was eventually brought down using many of the, the, the scriptural principles in here about the equality of all people helped to bring down slavery. Okay, so you don't have to stay in a job or a situation where you're being oppressed or it's just really, really bad. But believe me that God, God can redeem anything, you guys, anything. And he has a purpose in what you're doing. And so I want to encourage you to push into it. Not for your boss, not for the organization necessarily, but for God. I want to leave you with one final thought. Uh, I have a friend and... um, I remember talking about how excited I was. This was maybe 12 years ago or so, uh, about how excited I was about, like, the weekend coming. And, uh, you know, I said, oh, man, we can't, I can't wait. It's, like, only two more days till the weekend, and we had some big plans for the weekend. And he said something really profound. He said, he said you know, that's cool and everything, you know, getting excited and living for the weekend. But he said, have you ever stopped to think about if you're living for the weekend, you're only living two-sevenths of your life. I mean, if you just can't, like, the alarm goes off on Monday morning, and you just cannot wait until Friday night. You are only living two-sevenths of your life. Is that really honoring God? Push into it. Find a purpose and a role. See, ask God to open your eyes to see all the things that maybe he has for you in your workplace, if you, and I'm just saying, confessing this for myself, you know, maybe if you're too stressed out or frustrated or whatever to only be able to see kind of the things that are stressing you out, maybe God has all these amazing opportunities for you that might be even outside of the scope of what your job description might be, but opportunities for you to serve God in your workplace. So just think about this this week and remember who it is that we work. Let's pray. God, um, we thank you for, um, for these verses we looked at today. And um, they can be hard. They can be confusing, God. Um, I know for me, there's times where I'm frustrated with you that you didn't just come right out and say, slavery is evil, it's terrible, it's wrong. Um, but God, your ways are so much higher than our ways. Your thoughts are so much deeper and more profound. And Lord, help us to remember that you haven't come to like work all the kinks out of every government and system and empire and worldly thing. But you're about deeper things of the heart. You're about empowering us when we feel oppressed. When we feel like we have no power. 
restoring dignity where there is none. Because, God, we can set our, our eyes and our minds on things that are so much bigger than what we're dealing with, God. Help us to remember that we work for you, that we act in a certain way with integrity for you, not for our boss, not for someone who's just really driving down on us and grinding us up, but we do this for you because we serve you, because we love you. We're responding to you, not anybody else. Lord, help those people in this room who are really going through it right now. Job, life, whatever, God. And help them to just have a little bit greater grasp of how they can keep their eyes on you, do this for you. Lord, be with all of us this week. Help us to keep these things in mind. In Christ's name.